Hello there. My name is Gareth Long and I'm the Communications Coordinator for the Faculty of Arts, Humanities and Social Sciences at ARU. In this podcast series, I'll be interviewing some of our students, alumni and academic and technical staff to explore their experiences of education, their career paths and their advice for anyone hoping to work in the same field. In this episode, I talk with the head of Cambridge School of Creative Industries, James Ward. We talk about his career route, the inspiration he takes from people who work across a variety of creative disciplines, and the importance of keeping an open mind and seeking out different opinions to your own. This interview was originally recorded in March 2021, when the UK was still under national lockdown because of the coronavirus pandemic. So with no further ado, let's get on with the podcast. So my name is James Ward. I'm the head of school for Cambridge School of Creative Industries here at Anglo Ruskin. And um, I guess my main role is to strategically oversee the school um, in partnership with the dean, in a sense, across what, what it looks like across the faculty, and to do everything which relates to the management of the school in terms of education, um, in terms of learning, teaching, and attainment. And what's your background in the creative industries what were you originally how did you start out so very differently so I'm a I'm a textile designer <laughs> so very much so um not a, a sort of film creative aspect at all so yeah so textile designer and then um had various different roles over the years and just gone into the when I was learning and teaching and then I went then went into the sort of management of the sort of um in my previous university of of the of what was there called their screen school, so pretty similar courses to what we have here in CSCI. So what caused you to change over then from textiles? Did you lose the love of textiles or did you gain um, other creative industries? I think, um, well, I when I studied it was pre-computer software, so it was very traditional hands-on sort of process, which gradually changed. And then um, I went and did some teaching, which got me into um, teaching and I really liked that as a career and then gradually it just being become interested in multidisciplinary and transdisciplinary working and that somehow has drawn me into the sort of television sort of film area in particular and so and with that in the side of that particularly though the educational side of it so how students learn different environments of help um so a couple of schools which have had a media bias to them, secondary schools, um, one specialist one at post 16 and one from secondary school from 12 to 18. Um, both of those have been generally, the post 16 was a specific one around um, media and the creative industries outside of it, um, since a film and the other one um, has been just a general creative one, but maybe a media bias. So it's been more about the pedagogic practice of learning and teaching in a film media based environment. So what what, um, this question can kind of apply Mm. to your textiles and the media related side of your career, if you want, but what what inspired you to get involved with them in the first place? Was there a particular piece of art or design or some other media that drew Um, you into it? I think Derek Jarman, um, the filmmaker is um, I've always been really inspired by him when I was doing textile. So he's, his work covers so many different disciplines um, and from everything from set design, filmmaking to garden design, writing, 
um, television film, sort of more commercial filmmaking, um, flew to much more sort of art house um, sort of areas. And again, a lot of that has been to do with him as a person who's campaigning around LGBTQ and particularly HIV, which is obviously what he died of around that area. So um, in that sense, I've been really inspired by someone like him who just isn't wedded to their own subject area. So um, as much more interested in the creative industries as a whole and what that looks like and what your environment looks like and how people work and what work is within that context. Um, so much more of a much more of a broadest person than a narrowest. I think he was one of the sort of people who inspired me quite early on to look at that in more detail. So have you created any of your own films media or is it that just the educational side of it? That you yeah, use? just the educational side of it. So <clears throat> yeah, so it's more about um, <clears throat> what 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 does curriculum look like in getting to enable students to do that. So I've worked, for instance, at um, University Arts Awarding Body for Level 3, so I helped create a Level 3 diplomas around what that looks like, so around how students can, in a sense, how they go from a not very well-supported arts, creativity, school education, to be able to get into a degree. So I've looked around that structure, what that looks like and how it can be for them. Well, that kind of leads me on to a different question to what I've got on here. I think, um, yeah, given that, what do you think the future of creative courses at university will look like in the multidisciplinary nature of it? Think yeah, I think, I mean, I think it would definitely, as it starts to develop, I think um, obviously COVID's brought a certain level of teaching online, but that's been very much around emergency in a sense, and across the whole section, not about what might look like forward, but um, I think there's, it's around sort of multidisciplinary, but also transdisciplinary, where people aren't wedded to their subject area, because we know most Generation Z students, when they go come their careers there, they won't have the same career for the whole of their life. So they'll change different careers. And if, even if they're creative, what they go into doing, it's highly unlikely that in 30 years down the line, it will be exactly the same. And a lot of people I know from my interest in my degree in textiles, I've gone on to do completely opposite things, working in animation, working in film, working in all, you know, lots of different sectors. And I think that that's that transdisciplinary way of thinking, which creatives can put into many different contexts. It's about problem solving. And I think creatives very much around problem solving. And I think sort of in the sense of education, we'll have to look more around what that looks like, um, how our students learn in different models, how we teach things in different models, what assessment looks like um, in particular. So what does that assessment, how are we going to judge Mark? I mean, when you do a lot of um, group work, as we do in the sort of screen area of work and even with performance, a lot of that about how you unpick what the person, what your mark that person in the group has to put to project is, is really interesting. That's what we look for. And it also be very much around technology. So, you know, technology in the creative industry is continuously changing, not just on a software basis, which obviously changes and updates, you know, but also in the immersive experience and what that and what immersive experiences will look like in mixed realities. And, you know, as, as all this technology grows and develops and how we communicate with others across the world, I think, you know, and others across the street, you know, will, will, will change. And that's part of that creativity will help to see how we communicate with each other and how we interact with each other and what those interactions will look like and what stimulus we get from those interactions will be very different. 
do you think that the creative arts will move more into virtual worlds and away from kind of standard live real world performing or do you think there'll always be a place for that as well oh definitely always be a place for it just i think it's going to be more of how it's mixed together what that i think people and what our students have to look at whatever we're doing they're going to have to be planning for a multi-platform audience whether that's someone in the room at the same time whether it's someone online whether it's asynchronous so it's happening so you've got a theatre with people sitting in a theatre and people sitting at home watching the same thing and what does that look like and you have to consider the different types of audiences or whether it's using VR and you've got the context of VR and someone's remote you know it's kind of all those um explanations particularly in theatre is continuously going to be changing um and the same with film how that looks like how people experience the cinema um particularly after Covid is will people will you want to be sitting next to someone in the cinema you don't know <laughs> you know that's another conversation you have and how was we as entertainers going to bring in that to make people feel more comfortable return to the cinema return to the theatre in a more conventional way as well as having that online experience taking place i was listening to mark commode talking about getting back in the cinemas the other day and they have a list of rules on their yeah. program i don't know if you listen to it no i didn't that, about no. No. cinema going and it's to, yeah. well, I'd be prepared just to throw them all out for now just as long as we can get back into them yeah. <laughs> I think just make you think will people be so eager to get back into these things that they won't think about COVID anymore will that be easily forgotten I think it's very because that's gonna be an interesting thing the generational thing about what people do in the sense isn't it because you know at the moment I was talking to my parents about it my mom said oh when do you think we'll shake people's hands? And, you know, even though they'll have had their jab, she says, I don't think I'm going to shake anyone's hands for a long time. I'm like, oh, really? I'm, I'm going to guess back to normal. But anyway, it's different people and it's your different audiences, isn't it? If you come from a high-risk group, then maybe mm. you're going to be a bit more removed from going in or, you know, will everyone be sitting there and masked? But how do you eat your popcorn? You know, it's kind of all those sort of things about what it's going to look like. Um, and I think some people, as you say, will just be desperate and be rushing in as soon as they can and others will be a bit wary it's suppose how you don't have a disfranchised group from that experience where if you have been someone's been concerned about that and then suddenly you're excluded from that world um i think it's going to be interesting to see how it does what it looks like from june if it happens in june fingers crossed yeah <laughs> so what's the most valuable thing you took away from your own education um i think probably um learning to question everything i thought i knew so i think you know i think you go into this experience thinking you're going to do i mean when i went because i came to anglia ruskin for my art foundation of course it was anglia polytechnic university then and i came on wanting to do graphic design and i left going off to study textile so again you know but that being open to that process of what you can be um so i think just best to question everything and you know just go with open to new ideas new thoughts new people new environments new contexts and then from that you can pretty much really go and see to your full potential do you remember what it was now that changed your mind from graphic design to textiles i cannot remember there was no I think because in foundation courses art and design you have a rotation where you do different things um so i did different ones and then i think i probably just stuck to the textile and just liked it more and during that process of those of those projects and that's that's where i went yeah 
but no, not one big thing, I don't think. This might be the same as your previous answer, but what single piece of advice would you give your younger self now? I would say um, take risks, be more confident and speak out. But you didn't do that at first then? I didn't know, definitely. I definitely wasn't confident. Yeah. And that comes with age, doesn't it? But um, I think, um, you know, when you look at um, the latest sort of media coverage and when, you know, particularly the Black Lives Matter summer sort of events, I think gave a platform for a lot of people to speak out who perhaps wouldn't have spoken out historically. Whether that's as a group in the sense of young people who often get marginalised in the sense of, you know, because they don't tend to vote so much, so obviously they're not listened to as much, but this was a platform, um, and the same with Extinction Rebellion as well, it's that kind of thing, it's something there's a collective platform people can jump on um, to be able to express their own thoughts within a group, um, but I think within the creative sector we have to take risks and speak out more because we're the future of that audience or the future end users of that area anyway as well so yeah definitely do you think modern technology is helping with that or is it just forcing people into their own little bubbles more do you think um modern technology helps a lot because there's lots of platforms to express your opinion but the only problem is is about whether people move away from the platforms they associate with to look at platforms they don't associate with because then you don't get both sides of the argument so if you're continuously on the BBC website which is pretty good website in the sense of being impartial but if you suddenly then go to Fox News you may completely disagree with the Fox News and Trumpism and all of those things there but actually if you don't go on and view it and read it you can't understand people's opinions so it's about mm. having a sources and variety of sources expressing different opinions whereas I think a lot of people um, are going down one route of absolute truth and I think that's that's where it gets as you've seen Australia with uh, Facebook in recent you know I was shocked at how many people in Australia use Facebook as their <laughs> method of media in sense of news um, mm, yeah, kind of backfired true. a bit but the huge amount of people who trust Facebook has been the the oracle of knowledge. Um, it's a bit like those joke with students when I used to teach about Wikipedia and being listed in their bibliography. It's like, that's just like listing a library. I said, you know, you need to go beyond that. And I think that's the thing about platforms you need to go. You can, because you can cut down what you want to see and what you want to follow and who you see and who you follow. If you're only following people like yourself and hearing views of yourself, um, you're never going to be able to question it as much as listening to other people's views who you might completely disagree with and be abhorrent to you. But if you don't hear some of those things and understand where they're coming from, you can't get a full picture of what what the absolute truth is. Not there is an absolute truth, but at least you can start to question it a bit more yourself. Is this kind of thing that in education, in schools, universities, we should be doing more, do you think, and encouraging people to... <laughs> Or do you think that we're doing that quite well already? I think we're doing it quite well. Um, I think you can always do more of it. I think people, and I guess things like which recent news coverage, you know, has changed things that people feel a bit more open to talk about things, whereas I think a lot of people historically felt afraid to talk about things. They're afraid to talk about this 
subject because it's very alienated from them. But the university's job is to make an environment safe for people to talk about it. And that, yeah, because if you don't talk about it, people don't learn. So if you're not going to, you know, the great thing about university life, particularly when you move away, is you meet so many different people from different contexts and different environments you've never met. So unless there's an environment which is free for people to talk about things in a respectful way and then to learn from particularly terms and labels, unless you have environments where you talk about a term or a label, it's not it's gonna be very hard for people not to um, offend and upset people because they don't understand, you know, and that's the whole point about education is opening your mind to a much broader set of values and people and what and you know just interesting ways we live in in, in this world really. I'm going to move on from that. What's the most interesting thing you get to do in your role? Um, I would say it is this multidisciplinary working in the sense. Um, because my school is probably one of the broadest school course schools in the university potentially because we do cover the written words and then sort of spoken in the sense of our writing creating writing courses then we have um the acting and the performance and drama and musical theater and then we've got both sides that in the sense of film television production and then games so all four of those areas and obviously not forgetting music on top um all of those have a connection together, but also very different in sense of standing apart. So I think it's that it, the excitement of thinking, well, how can these courses work together informally and formally to create really interesting stimulus for our students and for our staff by having that, you know, multidisciplinary working. And I guess second part to it is obviously is working with students, because I think, you know, one of the great things about you start getting older is that you know if you've got several thousand young people around you're working every day um it, it kind of in introduces you to much more wider context of seeing the world in different ways so i think you know it's like having um several thousand teenage children not that all of our students are young students there are some mature students but in that context of what that looks like i think it's brilliant so the two together i think are really exciting so you find you're learning from them as much as they're learning from us yeah because you learn from everyone don't you but it's, it's looking at the work and thinking well their work might be to level four in their first it might be a little bit naive but you can see some sparks of ideas there and you think oh actually when they get to that level or you know and you start to see how they start to communicate with each other mm. what sort of music they're listening to um all of those things which are removed from my day-to-day -day life and my interests you start to be a much broader how they consume things in the sense of media and sort of those sort of assets so yeah yeah definitely and do they have many opportunities to work together have you another um, plans for the, that kind of thing in future at the moment it's not much for <coughs> most of it has been informal and so um the idea moving forward with what i've been talking to my deputies in the school about is about how we have much more plans either formal or informal collaborative working where we start to work together. A bit like the Ruskin modules bring an element of that together across the university, but we want to do more across the school um, and the faculty working with colleagues in CS, CSA and um, HSS about how that, what students can draw from that. Because the thing students 
do want that they enjoy that they enjoy meeting other people um that's what they come for and that sort of stops the silo of thought as well you know because when you've got particularly you've got small courses there's a very limited voice they hear from that but if they're then going off and mixing with bigger courses they get to hear a lot more about where their creativity can go and get a lot more questioning from different viewpoints from students and from staff so i think that's really where we're going to go in the future and working with industry more do you think yep definitely that's very much important part of it that's pivotal at both ends of where they come in and when they leave and during that process and that sense of what you know in an ideal world we'll be working with lots of um companies which might want to test bed things and use our students as audience or use our students as um trying out new software or new bits of equipment to see what it looks like at their level um before they start to test bed it a further field in the wider public um but in the sense that you know the good thing about creative courses is that it's so suited to the market they're going into because it's very specific to what they're doing so they are actually if they're going to be a filmmaker and they'll look at cinematographer then they have to be looking at cinematography and doing all that side of it so it prepares them very much for the world of work beyond that um but there'll always be an element of where this is where they test but this is where students explore far more than what they do before they get into industry so it's about how those touch points within industry bring them to what reality will look like when they leave at the other end presumably learning the all important transferable skills oh yes. as well. yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah sure. yeah yeah so what projects are you personally working on at the moment so i guess one of the things which before i came to ARU and part of my sort of dna where i work in education sort of, sort of eliminating sort of payment gaps diversifying our teaching academic workforce and sort of decolonizing modernizing the curriculum to make it you know fit for our current students not forgetting the past but looking at the context of now and looking at where the future will be so that's very much around what i work on in that sense of <clears throat> what i'm driven to in the sense of why i'm in education that way um and then the other things are really around the cs around the whole cscis school about um what this collaborative transdisciplinary multidisciplinary working looks like for us um and that's the next big exciting thing about how <clears throat> which the two fit very well together in the sense of decolonizing the curriculum and transdisciplinary approaches to curriculum i think are really exciting so they're kind of the things i'm working about at this moment in my head lots of thoughts about it and also talking about it with colleagues and start to plan some new courses for validation for september 22 so hopefully there'll be some new ones some coming before i arrive there's some coming september 21 <coughs> but hopefully quite a few coming through september 22 and 23 which will be much more around those um cross-disciplinary and multidisciplinary subjects this is undergraduate and Postgraduate. Yeah, both, yeah, both, yeah, both levels. So yeah, definitely. Do you get time to work on any personal projects outside of work as well? That inform Not work really. Or? Although um, I have a number of different groups. I am I'm in on WhatsApp where we watch simultaneously watching different um, films or. Um, different dramas on television. Well, not even television on platforms and sort of doing that. And that's my um, creative outputs is on that at the moment. <laughs> Simul simultaneously as in several at the same time as so you can create. Yeah, so it'll be a group on WhatsApp and we're all watching the same um, 
thing on whatever if it's Netflix or iPlayer and we'll watch it together. We go, oh my God, I didn't see that. So you've got this almost like you're sitting in a room sort of um, audience in a sense of how we right. experiencing right. that together. Um, it's a bit if, a bit annoying if one of you is a few seconds ahead, then that can obviously <laughs> just put a delay on WhatsApp so we can, yeah, don't, don't give a spoiler. But yeah, that's how that's in my free time. Yeah. Good idea. I thought at first you meant you were watching several films at the same time. No, no, that would be that'd be far too much. So yeah. Sometimes it's the only way to do it, possibly yeah. nowadays. But... Yeah. Great. Okay. And is there anything about Cambridge that you know that most people wouldn't or that you've discovered? Well, I was born in North Cambridgeshire, so um, and I went and lived here for a year when I did my art foundation course, which would have been about 27, 28 years ago. And so I was trying to think back to those 27, 28 years ago, um, an interesting fact I was trying to think about. And actually, the thing I came up with was that, um, which some people some people won't know, is, there's a, is, the, is the Doc Cotton Club, which I remember when I used to go to when I was a student to find it's still running. So it's the sort of Cambridge LGBTQ plus club, which I think runs once a month. And it's been running for more than 25 years because it was running when I was here. So it's quite fun to see it's actually still going. It's one of those things where I thought I'm moving back. I'm far too old to go to it, but I Googled it to see if it was still there. And it was still there. So that, that that's an interesting fact. That's probably one of the longest running gay nightclubs, I would think, or definitely definitely in East Anglia, um, you know, so yeah, that's my interesting facts. Excellent. Uh, pro probably lots of people know about it, but after all that. Whereabouts in Cambridge is that, is that It was the junction, but apparently it's moved to somewhere oh. else now. Um, yeah, I checked before I looked it up, so it was at the junction once a month, which is where I would have gone. Now it's moved to another, I think we've gone to a smaller venue, but I can't remember what it was called now, yeah. Well, thank you, James. I'll see you later. Okay.